Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of I Communicate, the Mindset Go Radio Show. And uh, hope you're all uh, staying healthy and coping with these uh, difficult times around uh, coronavirus. And, and, and most importantly, I hope you're all stocked up on toilet paper, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Anyway, with that said, I am here with a special guest today, Kathy Stoker, uh, uh, an English teacher who's been teaching English for t- uh, over 24 years in general, and uh, she's approaching her 20th year at Westboro High School. And Kathy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me back, Mark. I wish it was under better circumstances, of course. I, I do as well. I do as well. And Kathy, you know, our show today is, for the first half of the show, we're going to have on Kathy so we can get a teacher's perspective. And on the second half of the show today, we're going to bring on uh, ASAFIT Superintendent Ernie Hool to get an administrative perspective on what's going on. Um, but Kathy, while we have you... I want to get right to it, and I want to start by saying, look, this is really uncharted territory for teachers, and the thought of teaching kids, it's hard enough to engage kids in the typical school environment, never mind shifting to online learning. So talk about what that transition's been like for you and, and what, what, what some of the difficulties you've encountered have been so far. For sure. Well, I think that you're absolutely right with saying uncharted waters. Um, you know, a lot of, I'm seeing a lot online about, you know, the switch to online teaching, distant learning, but it's really crisis teaching. I saw an article that, that labeled it, that we're not really homeschooling. What we're doing at the moment is crisis teaching, um, which is really, you know, moment to moment, day to day. So the wonderful thing about teachers is that we are adaptable, we are flexible, we do persevere through the toughest of circumstances. So this probably is you know, the biggest curveball we face in our, our careers, both professionally and personally. And so our, I'll speak for some of my colleagues and myself that our main concern was the safety and health of our students and their families for foremost. So when we switched um, and stopped school, you know, rather abruptly, right, on March 13th for us in Westboro, um, the big thing was connecting with our students um, through Google Classroom, through email, through the Remind app to say, are you okay Um, and is your family okay or or, are you safe, are you healthy at the moment? And that really was, I think, and still is the first step we're taking. Kathy, are you finding at all of these interactions with your students in the early days of this transition, students um, feeling comfortable in confiding in you as a teacher? And, you know, obviously if the topic goes off, you know, pure classroom stuff, that's, that's fine. But I guess I'm wondering what, what kind of response and vulnerability are you seeing from your students? Sure. Um, I'm receiving a lot of emails saying anything from, like, if you're going to picture a spectrum from, wow, I've never been this bored in my life, to, my gosh, my mom is in the hospital. She has the coronavirus. Wow. So... I am seeing definitely a huge spectrum, and all of it's relative. A lot of seniors are really grieving right now the loss of the second semester of their senior year, their high school career, 
Um, there are concerns around choosing a college, you know, what's that going to look like? And then we definitely have people within our community and, you know, teachers who have relatives that are sick right now with the virus. So the vulnerability is definitely high. The intensity is really high as well. And then how do you meet all of those students' needs that are on that spectrum? Kathy, let me ask you a quick follow-up on that, because something that I've thought of that I, I, I haven't heard anywhere yet in any community, and I'm a little confused by it, with, with, with high school seniors and graduation being canceled virtually everywhere, I'm wondering why we wouldn't, in any community, reschedule the graduation to, say, August, before the kids go off to college. I just am, I'm, I'm a little miffed at why it has to be canceled, period, as opposed to being rescheduled. Do you have any thoughts on that? Right. You know, I haven't heard many definitives um, of that, of a high school graduation getting canceled. I've heard of college graduations either being um, like some sort of digital, you know, televised kind of um, graduation where the guest speakers are speaking from their homes. Um, but then I did hear that some were getting postponed into the summer. Um I haven't heard a lot on the high school level. I think because everything is so changed, you know, continuing to change day to day, week to week, that school systems have been leery to commit to a date in the summer. Um, I, I think it's a great idea, depending on where our nation is with the development of the virus at that point, um, because I think that's such a, a pivotal event for seniors to engage in. Um, as well. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's evolving, and we'll certainly be hearing more in the next, you know, month or so. So, Kathy, if you reflect back to when you were in school to studying to become a teacher and the different classes you took and uh, just the, the, the way you, you had been prepared to uh, pursue this career, was there anything in school, has there been anything that you've had an opportunity to know how to be an effective online teacher? And I guess part two of my question is, if the answer is no, um, or even if it's minimal, what can teachers do? Because if this, uh, on the slim chance this could carry over into the fall, um, what can teachers be doing and what are you doing to kind of figure out a way to be more effective online teachers? Right. Well, where my schooling took place in the 1990s. <laughs> um, where we barely had gotten onto the World Wide Web. Um, yep. I had no prior preparation, you know, when I was first starting my career. Um, throughout the, I would say, the last five years, we've had lots of opportunities um, to take professional development on how to engage students online. Fortunately, in Westboro last year, we went to a Google Classroom platform as an alternative learning um, day style for um, snow days. So a lot of us already had at least a foundation, um, I use that word loosely, on how to work online. And then literally the past two weeks, we have the district has pushed out lots of webinars and suggestions um, on, you know, which links to click on to quickly learn within the matter of, you know, 10 days how to engage students online. So that certainly has been challenging, um, supported from the district, of course, and very challenging. 
Um, I think the biggest thing is to try to use the tools to the best of our ability. So, for example, we're using either Google Meet um, Hangouts or Zoom. And although Zoom's been in the news recently for some challenges with hackers, that does seem to be a good platform to both engage with students in breakout sessions and whole class and individual sessions. And I think that's the biggest piece is how do we reach our students individually um, and how do we, you know, continue with our curriculum in whole groups as well. So, Kathy, you know, um, one other quick question I want to ask you is about preparation. I mean, I'm sure in doing this for as long as you have, you have routines and systems and processes that have worked so effectively over the years. How how does your preparation change when in this early stages of the transition? What have you noticed that you're doing differently um, thus far? Right. Well, I think that's twofold because usually our classes in Westboro are about 60 minutes at the high school, a few minutes less perhaps. Um, so I'm used to planning, you know, at least two to three engaging activities over the course of that hour. Now we're down to 35 minutes. Um, twice a week is our, is our model for now, which a lot of districts are using. And so I really need to look at what is the essential skill I want to reinforce, while at the same time keeping in mind where are my students right now emotionally and mentally um, in asking them to engage in this particular activity, right? So for journalism, where I teach several classes, um, journalism-based, you know, we might be looking at some current events, but I'm being really mindful about not overwhelming the students with coronavirus news, which that really is all there is. And with the lack of sports, as we know, there's, you know, so few sports and other entertainment articles out there. So it's really trying to find that balance and really what is essential at the same time, really thinking of my students' mental health. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think I think part of it, it, you said it earlier in the show, you know, you talk about crisis teaching. I mean, part of it is really trying to understand what that balance is. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, you can go into uh, one of your two 35-minute sessions with a great plan, but based on, you know, the reactions and engagement level of students, it could change on the dime, theoretically, correct? Yes, absolutely. So I quickly, you know, when the students come up onto the screen, I'm quickly looking at them and trying to make a snap judgment of, you know, do they look awake? Do they look like they are engaged? Are they saying, you know, you know, hi, Mrs. Stoker with a smile? Do they, you know, a couple of them have had their hoods up. A couple of them have had their hoods up and I can tell like they're really not excited to, to be online in that particular moment. So there is this chat feature where you can individually message a student and just say, hey, how are you? And so that's been helpful. Um, and then I decide real quickly, okay, we're going to go in this direction or I need to take a turn and think of a plan B. Okay. All right, well, Kathy, we're going to go into our first break. Uh, please stay with us for one more segment. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the parental side of all this. And obviously, parents have always put a key role in the dynamic between teachers and students. So, that's what we'll discuss in our next segment. Uh, this is Mark Altman I'm with Kathy Stoker from Westboro High School. We'll be back after the break. 
Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to the show, everybody. Here with uh, Kathy Stoker from Westboro High School. We're talking about the transition that uh, teachers, administrators, and students, and parents even, are all making to online learning, and uh, forcefully, I might add. And... uh, you know, I wanted to talk about the dynamic of this arrangement because I was watching my 13-year-old son, Cole, yesterday, and it occurred to me. I don't know why this didn't occur to me sooner, but I'm in the, in the kitchen cleaning up and, and doing some things, and I'm, I'm watching him online with the teacher. I can hear kids asking questions. I can hear the teacher talking, and I thought, wow, this is really odd. I can actually feel like I'm in the classroom, and when do parents ever get a chance to really be an earshot of their teacher, and be an earshot of watching their student interact with a teacher. So, Kathy, I guess my first question for you is, you know, is that odd? You know, knowing that you could have parents listening to you, does it, does it make you anxious? Does it, which would be understandable, frankly, to me, does it change how you would interact? How, how mindful of you, how mindful are you of this? Right. No, I think it's an excellent question, Mark. Um, being a parent myself, I'm hearing my um, children's teachers do the same thing, and I, I really have a deeper sense of empathy and compassion for them because you really are, you know, right out in the household um, sharing your lesson, teaching your lesson. So I definitely think that um, it can be intimidating to some teachers, for sure. I'm thinking of especially younger or newer teachers to the field. Um, I don't um, myself feel too anxious because um, I try to be as authentic as I can, as honest as I can with the students. Today, I had a a blip in the technology, and I just said, you know, please forgive me. And and they said, no, they were struggling with their technology, too. So I myself don't feel as anxious, but I do feel for other teachers who who may feel, feel that apprehension that what if they, you know, quote, say the wrong thing or um, are struggling with a technology, will they be judged for that? So I do ask parents to, you know, further develop their compassion for us and that we really are trying our best um, to provide what we can during this time of, of this pandemic. So, Kathy, let, let's take students' opinions out for the moment. So to me, there's a balance. I'm wondering what advice you would give as a parent and a teacher yourself, like towing that line, because part of it feels like, you know, I don't want, if, if, if I'm in, if my student know or my child knows that I'm listening and kind of hearing what's going on, it certainly could change how their willingness to interact. But I guess it's a balance, right? Because part of it is you could support your student by kind of hearing what's going on, then maybe after the call, you could, you could support the student more, but on the other hand, it could impact the student's comfort level. So what, what, what advice, you know, should the parent be in earshot? Should they have let the student have the privacy? Like, what are your thoughts as the best approach to this? Right. Like anything in life, I think there's, there needs to be a balance. I also think it depends on the age of your child. So for elementary school kids, again, depending, are you in kindergarten or are you in fifth grade? I think depends on the distance, the physical distance in the 
the home in which the parents should be. Obviously, a kindergartner is going to need more support, but again, letting the teacher do his or their job um, and the parent being more of a support person. And I think it's as you get old, as your child gets older, you should give them more distance. Um, and again, depending on does the uh, student child have a special need, is English their second language, depends on how involved the parent might actually be as a side note. Um, with my daughter who's in sixth grade, I quickly learned she did not want me near her at all. And I realized that her being in the other room with the door open a little bit so I could at least hear the interaction of the teacher and the students, I realized my daughter was more comfortable. My son, on the other hand, doesn't care if I'm doing the dishes or walking around. So I, I really think having a conversation with your child, again, depending on the age, to see what they want you to do is really important. So, Kathy, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, it, it occurs to me, you know, one of the, I, I only gave my son, like, I don't need to be in the room. He doesn't mind or he hasn't expressed he's really minded yet. But the one rule I gave him is I really did not want him to have his cell phone with him while, I mean, to me, these are 35-minute sessions. And right. I don't think it's asking a lot to be able to focus in those 35-minute sessions. Aside from perhaps, not having the cell phone with you, the children, not having their cell phone with them. Is there anything else, any other suggestions to facilitate or maximize the experience for kids that you would recommend? Well, I, I'm realizing with my high school students, it would help if they got, if you had your child, your teenager up a little bit before the class actually started, um, you know, have a little breakfast. And I know these sound like basic um, tips, but I think it's so true. You know, have, your teenager wash their face just to wake up a little bit because I think that we're, or I'm hearing so many of the students were used to sleeping till 10 or 11 o'clock and now our classes are starting at nine that they're not quite woken. They haven't woken up yet. So I do think, you know, having some breath, getting your, you know, or encouraging your child to have some breakfast, be awake, um, would help them to be further engaged in the activity um, have them sit where they feel most comfortable, although I would suggest um, bedrooms aren't the best place unless they have a desk in their bedroom to sit at the table so they're sitting upright as if they were in school. You know, a couch is fine. But I'm just saying this because we're seeing kids like laying on their bed. <laughs> just saying, you know, I think it would be better if you were sitting at a table for, for com being comfortable and, you know, perhaps appropriate um, boundaries as well. Kathy, you totally just made me chuckle silently because one of my biggest complaints about school was always how uncomfortable the chairs were. Right. And I, it just occurred to me that you just said something that I don't think a lot of people would, would are paying attention to, and that's be comfortable but be upright. And I don't think that's a small thing. I think that's really important. And I just thought to myself, how cool that you can be upright, sit on your couch, Okay, mm -hmm. but be upright, but actually it's comfortable to sit and learn. <laughs> it's kind of unique. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, have a drink of water or, you know, your orange juice next to you. Have a snack if you feel like you need to. Which Those are things that may or may not happen in your typical school classroom. So create a space in which you're comfortable so you can access your learning. Um, so many kids are feeling so anxious right now, and parents are so anxious because they want their kids to be doing their work, um, but from what I, from my own experience and from what I'm reading, 
Um, I just think mental health is the most important while we're in this crisis and that we will get through it together. Um, so I just feel like, you know, for parents to strike a balance, but also don't come down too hard if your student, your teenager, your child um, is struggling on a particular day with accessing their learning. Kitty, what would you like to see as, as this progresses? You know, if, if it was up to you, you were queen for the day. You know, as much as you've thought about this so far, what, what would you like to see if we knew, let, let's fast forward and say this online learning is going to take place at least for the rest of this school year? Because I think there's a very reasonable chance that that happens. So if that is the case, how would you like to see the transition take place? I know you mentioned that we're adapting and things are evolving every day, but any thoughts on how you would like to see this kind of ramp up or evolve for the better over the next couple of months? Sure. Um, I'll speak for the high school level at least first. So right now the students take the two 35-minute classes, and, and technically as educators we're not supposed to assign anything beyond those two 35-minute classes um, as in homework or reading, which is really difficult from the educator's standpoint and for me as an English teacher that I can't assign any more reading beyond really an hour, hour and 10 minutes a week. So that is challenging and at the same time recognizing that students need to be outside and moving around and, and really having some downtime. Again, keeping in mind that we're in a pandemic. We've never experienced this before. Um, so I think maybe you know, if we if this becomes our new normal, which it sounds like it's going to be, having a little bit more flexibility to assign, um, you know, a little bit beyond that half an hour, or maybe it's expanding the half an hour classes. Maybe we go from 35 minutes out to 40 minutes or 45 minutes. That's what I'd like to see eventually on the high school level. Um, also, as we come into May, that's when seniors are getting ready to... Um, finish up their schoolwork, maybe we do Maybe we do finish seniors out a little bit earlier than they usually do. Um, so those are a couple of things that um, I would think of for the high school level. I don't want to speak for elementary or middle school teachers because, you know, that's a whole different ball game for them in terms of what they'd like to see change. Yeah, final question for you, Kathy, and thank you again for joining us. I, I, I guess my last question for you is this. You know, there's, kids are not used to having this much downtime. So, you know, even pre-coronavirus, when parents used to explain, complain about the workload for their kids in school, I always used to say, you know what? Don't complain about the workload because I want to know what the alternative is. Because if they're not doing this much work, you know, what are they going to be doing instead? So my question for you is this. Any suggestions uh, for downtime activities, whether it's reading or just simple couple of things that you could recommend before we, we, we wrap up? I think the big thing is to create what I'm calling a loose routine, meaning there's flexibility and adaptability in that. I definitely think any form of exercise to get out, walk, play basketball, come up, you know, uh, talk on the driveway, anything in which you're moving, I think is super important. Of course, I want to say reading 20 minutes a day would be fantastic. Um, and then family time, if that is, you know, the best healthy um, event for you in terms of maybe watching TV together, playing a board game. Um, and it's also okay to be boring because boring or bored, not boring, bored is the place, uh, the birthplace of imagination and creativity. 
Okay, awesome. All right, well, Kathy, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. It's always great talking to you, and I hope you'll come back again. We could be doing another show like this perhaps in uh, May. So anyway, thank you for all your support for the kids and your contribution, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, thank you too, Mark, and take care. Stay safe. All right, we'll be back with Ernie Houle in our next segment. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back to I Communicate. Happy to be with you here on a Thursday afternoon. And uh, I have uh, special guest Ernie Houle joining me. He is the superintendent of Assabet Regional Vocational High School. And Ernie, uh, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be with you. Ernie, and before we start, I just need to do a, a 20, 30-second public service announcement for vocational high schools and specifically Assabet. Uh, you've done such a wonderful wonderful job with the school, and uh, vocational schools have come such a long way, and there's such an outstanding support to kids in our society now. So I'm um, really thrilled at uh, what you've done with the program, and uh, like I said, happy to have you. So, Ernie, I'd, I'd like to start, you know, there is so much pressure and there are so many expectations people have as this crisis evolves. And certainly in a school district, uh, we're all in uncharted waters and uncharted territory. So my first question for you is, how are you doing? Because everything's kind of flowing to you. You've got people with a lot of demand. So how are you handling all this during this crisis? Um, I... I, I... Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, first, actually, before I answer that, if you don't mind, I just want to I want to make sure I give props to the Aspen staff. You talked about the school district. Uh, we have a team of experts that uh, both our administration and our uh, faculty and staff are doing an uh, outstanding job during this uh, COVID-19 situation. Um, and I think we're all feeling pressures. And, uh, you know, as a leader, we sometimes don't look about, you know, ourselves. But I would say... Um, I don't know if we've really had time to think about it. Um, of you know, I'm doing fine. I think it's been such an ever-changing uh, situation that um, you know we don't have too much time to think about myself. Um, I can share with you a little bit of a personal story uh, if you want, but um, I think uh, overall we're a support, uh, a very supportive team. Uh, so we are looking out for each other. Well, Ernie, I think you should share the story because I think, let's face it, you know, um, things like work and school have somewhat become secondary during this crisis, and people are dealing with a ton of emotional and mental health issues that, frankly, uh, a lot of feelings and emotions are coming up for people that have never come up before. So please do, because I think it would make, it would allow people to relate to you better. Sure. Uh, So just quickly, um, you know, as I, I think, um, you know, as a superintendent of a regional vocational school district, you know, we have seven member towns and we service an additional eight different uh, communities with our 1,200 students, uh, 200 staff. I think, um, you know, <clears throat> even the folks, our teachers and the administrators are dealing with things personally. 
Uh, my family uh, and I have had to deal with a sudden and unexpected passing of our mother, um, not due to COVID-19, but to some other health issues uh, that had come up. And I think just the um, the extremeness of the situation uh, has caused them, you know, the regular routine of what we would normally be doing with either grieving or even being able to be there to support her as she had gone into the hospital uh, has all changed because of the situation. Um, literally having to just kind of leave her at the curb and then, you know, leave the medical professionals who we hold in high esteem uh, to do the job that they have to do. I think from our standpoint, it's, um, you know, we're there for each other, although we're socially uh, distancing, we're, you know, it's more physical and distance, but our family has, you know, gotten closer uh, through, um, you know, our re- remote communication and FaceTime and things of that nature. Um, but we're we're looking to manage, but it is something that is on my mind as a um, administrator in the field of education that this type of a situation is, is happening, uh, maybe unbeknownst to me and my staff, uh, of my staff and even of our students. So that's one of the top priorities I think we need to keep in mind during this uh, uh, global pandemic. Ernie, you know, as, as, as you alluded to, everything is evolving and adapting by the day. My question is, how do you, thus far as you've been trying to implement online learning and do the things within the district, tell us something that has pleasantly surprised you during this transition and tell us a curveball maybe that either you didn't expect or it's become more difficult than you expected. Um. I think the uh, it, it, it's actually not kind of surprising, but it's surprising in the nature and how I think my staff is adapting um, to their new role, so to speak. Um, and that is uh, just as recent as today, you know. And I know there are some activities happening, and our staff has uh, been told that they're you know available to students do- during the normal course of the school day. Um, it's an agreement that we have uh, with the staff, and uh, so. Our teachers, guidance counselors, adjustment counselors, um, and administrators are all been been doing that in powers and support staff. Uh, but one example I will share with you today is that, uh, and I know this is happening. Uh, we have had our um, our uh, school nurses have been writing. Uh, we, you know, in in school districts, we know there are a certain level of number of kids that may need some more supports and services. Uh, and our school nurses, uh, school nurses have. Uh, been writing handwritten cards and notes uh, and sending those out directly to those students to make sure that they are, uh, n- so that they know that they're being thought of and that they're, you know, we still have a care and compassion for them and we want to support them uh, during this closure. Uh, as for the shocking thing, I think, and it's not anybody's fault, but, um, you know, we're all looking for answers. And because we don't have concrete answers, because this is ever-changing um, by the minute at times, um, it's a little bit difficult because, as a superintendent, everybody's looking for for me to, you know, kind of lead the ship and guide the ship, and you know, you know, have those answers readily available, and we just don't have them. Ernie, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, we, we tend to run school districts, you know, or I would not run them, but there's such usually rigid and specific guidelines and standards, and you know length of school year and things like that. We're going almost the complete opposite direction right now. 
is it okay, you know, is it okay that we're kind of loosening up? I mean, certainly in the short term, I think everybody would agree that's the right thing to do. But if this continues for the rest of this school year through June and kids can't complete the school year, is it okay? And, and you know, if, if people missed two or three months of their education the way they normally would have it, they move on to another grade, so be it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, one of the things that we're looking at, and I, I, I just want to make sure I share what ACIBIT's top three priorities are. Very first Great. and foremost, uh, the health and safety of our students and our faculty and staff, uh, and of course their families. Um, that's, you know, making sure that they have, you know, kind of Maslow's hierarchy for schools, which is that physical and safe, safety, uh, social safety that they have and their, their physical needs are met, met, mental and emotional needs are met. Uh, we want to make sure our second priority is, is, is providing our nutritional uh, services to students. Um, this is available to all of our students, regardless if they're on free or reduced lunch, if they say that they need to have meals. Uh, our food service director and her staff uh, have been doing an outstanding job providing that. And then the last thing, really, to get to your point is, you know, we've implemented our enrichment learning uh, plan activities. We're now kind of transitioning to a remote uh, learning curriculum plan activity, uh, which will have some, uh, they'll, those will be mandatory up until this point in time. Everything was non-mandatory and there wasn't any kind of grading or assessing. Um, we won't be doing a typical grade. Um, it will be more of a pass-fail feature. Um, but one of the more challenging things for my school district is, you know, we have a whole component in which our kids are in technical programs and they have that hands-on experiential learning aspect of which we can't replicate uh, with them not being in the building. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really challenging. And I guess, you know, you know, one of the things, Ernie, that really sticks out to me is, you know, most teachers, I would say a huge majority of teachers do not really have training or, I mean, online learning, being an online trainer is an entirely different skill set. I mean, there's certainly some crossover, but what are your thoughts on, getting teachers, I don't know, simultaneously the training or the resources they need to be effective at delivering this, because it is pretty new for most people. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, um, you know, some of, the, some of the things that we've been doing, um, and I think, you, you know, you have to have a staff that's flexible and has an open mind that understands, we share with them, this is an unprecedented situation, and we're going to try and do everything that we can to support them. Uh, and through that is, you know, maybe some professional development. Um, we are not a one-to-one -one type school, so it's made it a little bit more difficult um, in nature. And, of course, I, I, I will say that, um, you know, we do have some online type remote programs that we use. We do use Google Classroom. We use Schoology. Uh, we use Study Island. We use a program called X IXL. Uh, which is for our ninth and 10th grade students. Uh, we do um, tend to lean on Khan Academy, uh, and we have implemented the whole Zoom conferencing-type um, program. Uh, so I think with those supports, and it's not literally just the whole online learning. If you know, um, with the, the Commissioner of Ed, he went to a remote learning platform, which would include computers, online, video calls, phone calls, regular, you know, paper-type packets. So there's a, a large, larger uh, realm of uh, remote learning opportunities, not just 
uh, computer-based technology. Bernie, how are superintendents as a whole, I know you have an organization that supports, uh, made up of superintendents and supports, but how often are you talking to other members of, of that organization, other superintendents about best practices and strategies? How is that all playing out for you these days? Uh, so, yeah, so we have, um, just to, just so folks know what the uh, communication is, it's constant. Um, we have sometimes two or three calls with uh, the commissioner of education, Jeff Riley, uh, who provides the superintendent's updates. Um, and then also um, through our MASS, uh, which is Mass Superintendents, that's generally, we, we have emails every day in which uh, there's communication going back and forth. And maybe when we come back, I can share with you what our uh, Mass Association of Vocational Administrators are doing um, as a best practice type share. Yeah, that would be great. So, uh, Ernie, yeah, thank you. Stay with us for our final segment. This is Ernie Houle, Superintendent of Schools uh, for Assabet Vocational Regional District. I'm your host, Mark Altman, and we will be right back after the break. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to I Communicate. And, you know, as our listeners know, uh, I named the show I Communicate because I believe communication is the foundation for personal and professional success and happiness. And now more than ever, communication is being challenged. And frankly, I'm really not a big fan of the term social distancing. It's really physical distancing. Um, I feel like social distancing is is uh, extending an unnecessary myth, but that's for another show. So Ernie, uh, Ernie Hool's with us, the uh, superintendent from Assabet uh, School District. And Ernie, I, I want to continue where you were going before that break about MAVA, the Massachusetts Association of Vocational Administrators. So if you could continue what you were saying about the, the forward movement that's happening with MAVA. Uh, certainly. Um, so the MAVA group, um, which is made up of superintendents uh, as well as administrators, principal assistant superintendents, uh, we recently have gotten together from the standpoint of uh, our uh, technical schools um, aspect and how we could best share, uh, how we could basically utilize best practices um, of what we're doing in our own um, uh, vocational programs, technical programs uh, throughout the state, uh, so that we're not all reinventing the wheel. Um, we have uh, done this type of uh, uh, sharing out type of practice uh, when school was in session with uh, basically with technical programs. For an example, you know, that they might choose a technical program to go and advanced manufacturing might be hosted at Asabit. And then teachers from across the state would come to Assabit on that particular day and be able to share and do some professional development. So we're taking this to another level from the standpoint of our superintendents are helping to organize it, um, passing it down to our vocational uh, directors who will then work with their team of uh, teachers um, who collectively have kind of um, worked together within their specific career fields uh, to come up with best practices on how they're dealing with remote learning. And then that will be shared statewide in a, a, a comprehensive uh, statewide document. Ernie, what about, the, what about the well-being of the teachers? You know, it's, 
frankly, pre-coronavirus, I think um, teachers these days are really struggling to be resilient. Um, and with, 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 and I don't care, whatever school district, I think they're struggling. Is there something you can do or already are already doing to make sure the mental health of your teachers is doing okay? Yeah, I mean, I think we um, we have shared with our teachers that um, you know our our concern is that they have to make sure that they're taking care of themselves. We understand they have a job to do, but you know they're under uh, additional stress because they're also trying to do this from home while they have their own families to take care of uh, and you know to support as well as trying to extend themselves to be. Uh, to the same extent possible to their um, students. So, you know, we, we try and get them out. Um, we have uh, our HR person has been providing weekly updates and some resources for them. We also have a, an EAP program, which is an employee assistance program um, that uh, we've provided some additional professional development through that, uh, that they can uh, have an opportunity to access, as well as anybody in their family uh, can access that as well. Ernie, do you, have you thought about it all? You know, you know I'm a big believer in emotional intelligence, and it's such a huge part of the training and coaching I do for, you know, companies and schools and such. And my question for you is, as a leader, as an experienced and successful leader like you have been for the duration of your career, have you noticed, thought about how you've had to adapt your leadership style during this crisis? Absolutely. Um, I think... Um you know, there's a great uh, there's a great poem that Maya Angelou or statement that she uses, and that it's you know people won't remember what you say or what you do, but they will remember how you make them feel. And yeah, I think, love that uh, from from our standpoint of a leadership team at Asabet, um, that's what we're trying to make sure we portray not only to our teachers, uh, but to our students, to our Aztec community as a whole, and our stakeholders as well as to our colleagues. I mean, I have a Twitter page, a LinkedIn page, and I try and put on uh, daily inspirational quotes uh, with some feedback and just trying to help people get through. And I have gotten some good feedback from folks that saying, thank you, I needed this, and I look forward to these every day. Um, it's just my small part, I think, from uh, my aspect of a leader that of what I can do to kind of help with this, uh, you know, this situation. So, Ernie, I think that, uh, and I think about this a lot, you know, I think anybody who's in a leadership position, especially if that's how they aspire to live the bulk of their life, uh, questions what their legacy will be. I'm wondering, mm -hmm. it's a three-part question, all with the same question is, and I'll ask them one at a time. I'm wondering what, when this crisis okay. is over and we're to reflect on it, I want to know what you would want students, parents, and teachers individually to say about how you handle this and what the best compliment you could receive. So let's start with teachers. I interview a teacher after the coronavirus is over, we're past it, we're a few months past it, and I said, Ernie did a good job because, what do you want them to say? Um, I would think I, uh, I would like them to say that I did a good job because I was a, a mindful uh, and flexible leader in that I was, I had the ability to make sure that they were in the loop and we had communication that was clear. Um, it wasn't necessarily uh, the answers to all the questions, but they were uh, kept up to speed. 
Um, and I would hope that they would think that, um, you know, I allowed them the flexibility to be able to do their job because um, they are the experts in their field. And whatever we can do to help them with the technology support uh, or to get through it, that's what I'm hoping that they would say. And what would you want parents to say? Uh, same thing with parents. I think, you know, that we as a school district um, have tried to maintain our communication with parents to the best of our ability uh, and that we've strived to uh, remain committed to the type of support uh, and compassion that we show our students when they're uh, at Acibit in person. We've tried to do our best to replicate that in a remote form. Um, and I would say, if you're gonna you're gonna ask me the next question, is how would how would I respond with students? Yeah. Um, I would say the same thing. I've I've you know as a superintendent, I don't always get. It's one of the aspects of the job that I. Uh, kind of missed because I don't get to be as involved with students as I used to be as a teacher and as a principal. Um, but I will say that we have uh, such um, confident students that they have no issue with reaching out to me and sending me an email, and I've gotten several, uh, in which I've responded back to them and helped them with uh, direction uh, uh, for the questions that they're asking. So uh, I'm hoping that they would share that we were um, – doing the best that we can to provide the same type of support and compassion and sincerity uh, with trying to provide a continuity of learning uh, during this difficult time. Okay, excellent. All right, so let's shift to high school graduation. You know, I know a lot of colleges, most colleges around the country have canceled college graduation, and we haven't heard a ton from high schools yet. However, I'm wondering, uh, A, what you, what your plans are, and B, what you think is a general best practice in this unusual situation? Mm. Yeah, I, I think that um, the graduation is a, is a great question, and I also have heard from some parents about, you know, the senior activities that go along prior to graduation, and of course it's a rite of passage, you know, with the, the whole graduation from high school. Um, at this time, Acibit has not made any decision. Um, I would say that we probably, or I would recommend that, you know, the graduation would, were, would happen at a re rescheduled time. I'm not looking to cancel it completely. Um, you know, but with a lot of unknowns, uh, for example, we have our graduation that's held at the DCU Center, and just recently, as of two days ago, it was completely converted to a hospital to deal with COVID-19 right. patients. Um, right. And we've heard that they're not going to necessarily have any availability until mid June or late uh, mid July or late July, um, and then I don't know what kind of um, restrictions they might have with being able to host graduation in an August timeframe. So we would look to reschedule it and do something different. It would have to be out of the box, but we're looking to still hold it. I think. Excellent. Okay. Well, that's. I mean, Ernie. Honestly, at this point, you can't really give much more than that. I mean, we. We just don't know what the future holds, and it sounds like your 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 goal and priority is to to find a way to ha have it scheduled. But again, things are evolving. So, Ernie, thanks so much for joining us. I mean, I think one of the challenges, and and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is I know you've done such a great great job at Acibit, but I think also I think it's important to have an administrator's perspective because everybody's got different challenges in uh, coping with this crisis. So. Thanks again for joining us for the show. We'd love to have you back at a future time, and thank you for the great work you're doing with the uh, teachers, parents, and students. Great. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure to be on.
All right. Uh, so thank you, uh, listeners, for another edition of I Communicate. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Please stay distant, healthy, and safe. Have a good afternoon. listening to I Communicate with your host, Mark Altman. Join us again each week at this time on Full Service Radio, WCRN.